Welcome to Message Received. In this episode, KG and Natalie are speaking about inclusivity in the workplace. Hi everyone and welcome to uh, Message Received. I'm very happy to have uh, today with me KG from Singapore uh, to discuss about a great topic around diversity and inclusion and specifically inclusivity. So KG, welcome to the show. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak with all of you today. Thank you. Same here. Um, KG, would you like to take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself to our our audience? Sure, my pleasure. Hi, everyone. I'm Kaumudi Goda. I also go by my initials KG. You can find me on my website, kaumudigoda.com or on LinkedIn. I am a lawyer by training. I'm an Indian national, like a lot of Indian kids do. I went to the U.S. for college. I studied at the University of Virginia, Wahoos. Um, I now live in Singapore. I've been here for the last seven years. I serve as a C-suite advisor, people leadership and culture strategist and diversity and inclusion consultant. I'm also an executive coach, trainer, speaker and author. I've worked with clients across North America, Europe, and APAC region, and I absolutely adore the work I'm doing right now outside of my day job, which is being an evangelist for sustainability, diversity, and inclusion. So I'm particularly excited to have this conversation with you today, Nath, on a topic that I know both of us care about, diversity and inclusion. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot, KG, for this um, for this great uh, recap. Your your title seems so long. I cannot recall everything now, but um, I I feel like your experience in in very diverse um, types of work had led you to uh, what you're doing today and what you're passionate about. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what are some of your life highlights? So actually, that's a perfect jump off. Um, If you think about the fact that every single one of us has more than one identity at at any given time, right? I'm a lawyer by training, but I also adore the work I do around sustainability and diversity inclusion. I'm a trainer and a consultant, but I'm also a speaker and an author. Same for you, Nath. I know that you adore going on hikes. You're also a passionate L&D person. There's so many other things that you are at any given moment. And this intersectionality where we are all different people at the same time is perhaps the crux of what this work is all about. And that's what my journey has been too. I was born in India and like a lot of Indian kids, it was like a horse with blinkers on. My goal that had been drilled into me since I was a baby was do well in school. That leads to good job. That leads to good mm-hmm. life. And so... I was an attorney, I had worked for five years, and then I started asking myself, what else is out there? I didn't know, I never even looked. And that search for purpose, meaning, and and that curiosity led me to doing more things. And the more kinds of people I worked with, the more sectors of clients I served, more countries I lived in, the more I realized how much in common we all have as human beings. And yet, you know, when I was fresh off the boat as an Indian kid in the U.S., it seemed like it was 
all of us foreigners against the folks who were there. And I felt like I didn't belong. And when I was in India, I was a girl in a patriarchal system. I felt I didn't belong. And when I came to Singapore and I switched careers from law to something else, I felt like I didn't belong. And you know what? Everyone feels the same. That's the greatest secret of all. We've all felt at one point or the other that we don't belong. Have you ever felt like that, Nat? Yeah, totally, totally. And I think it could be the case for a lot of people. But but then, KG, what was the kind of light bulb moment on your side to realize what you know what your purpose is in life and how you embrace that that new career you had? I'd always done work around advocacy my whole life. My entire career, I've always had this one thing I did outside of work that was my own that I did that fulfilled that you know, greater need in me to serve society, to give back in some manner. But when I came to Singapore, I realized things were never going to change. I was looking at Asia again with an adult's eyes. I'd left when I was a young adult and I had really worked and functioned in Asia on my own. And there I was and I realized some things don't change because I recall I had little kids and I was interviewing and I remember one person I reached out to thinking they were a mentor told me, you should consider working in Indian firms because you're an Indian lady. And another person said, you have kids, will you be able to work? I was like, yeah, they didn't lobotomize me when I had kids. My brain still is within my body. My kids are no longer in my body. <laughs> my brain is. Um, so a couple of realizations, right? One was the commonality we all have as human beings, no matter where we are. The fact that everyone at one point or the other feels like they're the underdog, they don't belong, they have an imposter syndrome. I talked with enough people across various countries to know that this was something that was shared by many folks across gender, nationality, profession, seniority, age, ability. And the third realization then was, I think, um, you know how Martin Luther King said, it is the silence of the good people that hurts the most. We all feel these feelings that we don't belong, that the systems are unfair, that you feel like an underdog, like the odds are stacked against you. Every one of us has felt like this one way or the other. And we've all just silently suffered. I promise you, talking about the difficulty you're having is going to be a game changer moment for somebody else. Consider Naomi Osaka. She got a lot of flack because she... She's a famous tennis player and she bowed out of French Open saying that I feel intense pressure. I don't want to do interviews. I want to focus on my game. And the game organizers told her, if you don't do interviews, you don't get to play. She's like, you know what? Thanks. That's fine then. I'm not going to play at all. I don't want to do interviews. When she did that, the ripple effect was along with the flag, she gave courage to Simon Biles, who actually referenced Naomi Osaka. And Simon Biles said, I don't feel good. So even though it's the Olympics, for the sake of my own health and for the sake of my team's success, I need to bow out. Mm -hmm. So there is a ripple effect when you speak up. And that's what I realized as well. My light bulb moment is what I'm feeling. My feeling of inadequacy, my feeling of not belonging matters because others are suffering too. And by voicing that and working actively on it and aligning what I do professionally, with these important passions I've always had, 
is going to help other people and that matters. This is so inspiring, KG. Thanks for thanks for sharing. And um, yes, I've also followed in the news recently um, about um, Osaka and um, and Biles. And it, it's true that you know, kind of speaking up and sharing, communicating about what we feel, what we think, is opening the door to someone else, to everyone else who, ha who is suffering and ha have the same issue. And it's kind of refusing to be kind of put in a box, right? And being being told what to do because you're in such a, or such position. Um, and it doesn't have to be, I guess, celebrity or, or athletes. It, it can be, you know, people like day-to-day -day people, normal people, day-to-day -day people, like, but opening up and sharing those concerns um, is a first step, right? Absolutely. Great. Um, my next question, KG, is around definition, because we've learned, um, we learn a lot, we know a lot, we've heard a lot about um, diversity and inclusion, for example. It's uh, in the corporate world, it's um, department are um, um, really focused on DNI, for example. But from your standpoint, can you tell us what is the difference between diversity um, and inclusion, and what is your own um, definition of inclusivity? That's a great question, and I think it's important to establish these so that we have a common vocabulary. Diversity is a fact of life. You and I have so many things in common. We're both passionate about many things commonly, but there's also things that are very different about you and me, and that's a fact of life. Even the folks who seem near identical to you, Natalie, if you have a sibling, you know, even though you grew up together with that sibling, you have everything very, very similar. There still be dramatic differences between you and a sibling, right? So diversity is a fact of life. We're all different. We're all different at different moments. So Nat today, right now, is very different from Nat, super hungry and super exhausted. It's very <laughs> different from Nat, who's super excited and feeling joyous and buoyant and, and uh, bubbly, right? Diversity is a fact of life. Inclusion is an action. Inclusion is us seeking deliberately to include somebody else, making sure that they're not left behind, they're not left out, they're not made to feel like they don't have anything in common, what they have is not of importance. And inclusion is an action with equity as a goal. Equity is treating people according to how they wish to be treated. For example, if you're tall and I'm short and we are both looking over the same fence, you need not ask for a stool because you're able to look over the fence anyway. But I'm short and I need a stool. So mm -hmm. giving me a stool so that I can also enjoy the view that you're enjoying is equity. Treating people the way they need to be treated or asking to be treated. So diversity is a fact. Inclusion is an act with equity as a goal. You treat people with the respect and the type of thing that they want to be treated. And all of this diversity, inclusion, with the goal being equity, treat people as they desire, leads to belonging. That's when people truly feel this is my team. Nat and I are together and together as a team, we can achieve our goal. That sense of belonging comes when people feel that 
whatever is different about them is seen, heard, accepted, that they feel included, like the way they wish to be treated is respected. That's when they feel like they belong. So diversity is a fact. Inclusion is an act. Equity is a goal and belonging is an outcome. I, I love that definition. It's so clear. <laughs> it's so clear. Thank you so much. And KG, I remember we've we've discussed unconscious bias in the past. Uh, you kindly run um, a workshop for the audience team a couple of weeks ago around that. And what I what I realized is that I think the the first step towards um, diversity, inclusion, equity is also the awareness, because sometimes we're such in a you know, working mode that we just don't think, reflect or realize the people who are around us and that everyone is kind of working differently. And, um, you know, that those um, those topics are most of the time unconscious on our side. So what are the types of work um, that you are doing, um, I guess, with most of the time in the corporate world, right? What types of work are you doing to um, improve diversity and inclusion into in a specific company or bring more awareness around those topics? A couple of things are really helping. A um, lot of the definitions that we're discussing today, the progress that we are able to observe around us have been grounded and rooted in a lot of earlier movements. So it's building generation upon generation, right? Today, however, we are experiencing civil society is significantly better than what it was, but there's so much more progress to be made. An easy challenge, uh, Nath, for us to be aware of in the corporate world is all of us on the call today care. The reason why we are self-selecting in this group is you bother to tune into this podcast knowing the theme. You want to improve yourself. Now you're asking questions on diversity and inclusion because you care about this topic. This is already a self-selected group. Even as aware and caring as we are, the pressures of work are such that sometimes it almost feels like it's too much hard work. An example would be, say an organization truly wanted to be inclusive in their recruitment practices and they want to hire someone who's, say, visually impaired or um, neurodiverse, someone who's neurodiverse. Their cognitive ability, the way they think, perceive and process information is different in some way. It could be dyslexia, it could be autism, it could be any number of things. Now, it's one thing to care and want to do better as a corporate and have these efforts at diverse recruitment. But when the rubber meets the road, you have an important project, the client is important, the deadline is demanding, it's almost easier if everyone's almost completely attuned to each other. I know you and you know me, you know how I think, I know how you think. So we have almost an unspoken language between us and we can get things done. Now, if we had to onboard someone else with very different way of thinking, very different vocabulary, the way they act, the time they need to process something is different from us. Their needs, for instance, you shoot me a quick email, but if we have someone who's visually impaired, we need to figure out some other way of getting them a screen reader technology and then having to then have someone transcribe what they're thinking and sending that email. There's one extra step. 
And with the deadline and the demanding client and the important project, it might feel, oh my God, it's too much work. That's when a lot of good intentions fall by the wayside. The pressures mm -hmm. of the corporate world are very real. So in terms of what we can do is, first of all, of course, make allowances for the fact that there are short-term trade-offs. We're talking about corporate challenges being, sometimes it might feel that the hurdles are insurmountable or not worth it. And the thing to do is take a step back and think in terms of stakeholders and long-term sustainable benefits versus short-term. By that, I mean, we're talking about recruitment. Long run, we're all going to benefit from diverse people across the table. So Nath and I understand each other very well, and we can almost communicate in a shorthand, and we get things done very, very fast. But that also means Nath and I are probably thinking alike. And mm -hmm. having somebody from a different country, from a different age group, a different way of thinking and doing, maybe somebody who's visually impaired means that our, the training programs we are developing are so much more intuitive and they resonate with so many more different kinds of people. And the new person who's very different from Nath and I are bringing up topics and thinking of challenges and ideas that Nath and I could have never come up with because we've almost become completely attuned with each other. I was, so I was about to... I was about to say, I think having someone that is not thinking 100% alike like you is also bringing a different perspective to your project. Should it be in the, you know, the way the project is managed, the way it's communicated, the way, you know, different different ways. But having a, a, another perspective is having, an, a, you know, an extra pair of eyes who is seeing the challenges, the problem through a different lens. And that's also potentially bringing you know innovation and new ways of thinking so I, I i agree that sometimes we see this as you know a challenge to bring someone new on the project or someone who is a different thinking but at the same time it can be very beneficial absolutely we're thinking in terms of not slicing the same pie amongst more people or having a challenge on how to slice the pie rather expanding the pie itself the more diverse ideas we have at the table, the more ways we can think of expanding the value to the customer, to the end product user, and to all of us, because we're bringing in new ideas, innovative ideas, and really just making more actions available to all of us. I think we've we've discussed a bit about the, the corporate world, but there's I guess there's also action that we as individuals can do in our daily life, but also in our, you know, daily job, let's say, to be more inclusive. And we've mentioned prior to that, the, you know, the awareness part. So I guess there are things that we as individuals should be able to do to encourage inclusivity in, in our day-to-day -day life. Um, do you have examples or, or things that you've seen in your career that um, would benefit our uh, audience today? Absolutely. Perhaps the, the number one thing to do is really take a step back and take a look at the world you inhabit. We really are in very isolated bubbles, Nath. It's surprising. We think that the technology has brought us closer, but in fact, technology is successfully isolating us even more. Think about your news 
material in the morning. When you look at Google News, when you open up Guardian, chances are really high that your browser is filtering out news for you that is relevant to your region or your prior interests. When you go to shop on a website like Amazon, or when you're looking at Spotify for music or Netflix for entertainment, you're getting a curated list of things that you might like based on what you've previously liked. A great example of this tech bubble or eco chamber is when you try and look for reviews of hotels in another part of the world. It's harder, isn't it? You have to specify this is the hotel in this region. It's harder because they'll keep throwing up results in your locality. Another would be most of the time when we see somebody with opinions online that take us aback, we filter them out. We unfriend them, unfollow them. We don't get into spaces that make us uncomfortable. So without realizing, we isolate ourselves more. The first thing you can do is take a step back and actively try to educate yourself and get more diverse sources of information, inspiration. If you have your, a bookshelf, take a look at the bookshelf and see, is there a pattern? Is there a type of writers I typically read? Think about the five people in your life to whom you always go for advice. Are they all the same? Maybe they're all from the same country. Maybe mm -hmm. they're all the kind of similarly educated, same age group. What can you do to diversify your sources of information, inspiration, advice, and ideation? Change it up. Something as simple as when you build a deck, try to be more inclusive in the kind of quotes you use and the kind of images you use. Are you making an effort to be as diverse as possible in both what you're absorbing and what you're putting out? That's number one. Number two is asking questions. Um, a new thing I've noticed a lot of people do, and you did it too beautifully, Nat, at the start of this conversation, was asking, KG, how would you like to be called? Do you want to be called Kaundi or KG? That's a really thoughtful thing. We can ask questions. We can ask, hey, you seem uncomfortable. Is there anything I can do? Or, hey, I noticed you didn't talk much in today's meeting. Would you prefer to debrief me next time ahead of the meeting if you feel hesitant to speak amongst other people? What's one way we can make sure you participate in our meeting, share your ideas? Asking questions is great. So the second thing is curiosity. And the third one is maybe not fearing lack of perfection. We all make mistakes. I guarantee you, you can be Albert Einstein rolled into Mother Teresa, rolled into Wonder Woman. Promise <laughs> is you will definitely make a mistake. You'll make a faux pas. You, you might be well-intentioned, but you end up stepping on someone's toes or hurting them. Right? What we want to do is step away from cancel culture. We don't cancel ourselves. We don't cancel somebody else. Allow them a moment of grace. Allow yourself a moment of grace. It's okay. I made a mistake. I was presumptuous enough to speak over Natalie. But I can apologize. I can try better next time. I can ask Natalie, what's a better way in which I can interact with you? So I can ask, I can apologize, I can do better next time. First tip, diversify your source of information, what you absorb. Second tip is try and be as curious as possible and learn and ask questions. And the third tip is forgive yourself and forgive others. Allow that moment of grace. 
mistakes are very normal. The important thing is a growth mindset, learning and doing better next time. I love that, KG. Thanks so much for sharing. And just to comment on, on those points, I think a lot, um, a lot of what they have in common is around communication. So I'm I'm thinking now about, you know, a leader, a team leader, for example. Um, you have to kind of instill that perfection. You have to instill that within your team through communication. You want to be, you want to be clear. You want to to share that ahead of a, a project or ahead of a, of, of a big milestones. You want to have that feeling, this kind of psychological safety within your team so that people are open. It's it's good to ask questions, but we also want people to kind of speak up and tell us, okay, this is the best way I think the, this meeting should be handled, or this is the best way feedback should be given on this, this proposal, this design, for example. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely, Nat. You raised such an important point. And I, what I feel you're talking about is the courage and commitment it takes. It's easy enough to say, feel safe with me, share what you want. Mm -hmm. But say you bring up something that makes me feel acutely uncomfortable. Do I have the courage to stay with you and be with you in that moment? So for example, if you say, KG, that time you were super patronizing and you made me feel very bad. Do I have the courage to sit with that discomfort in that moment and respect you and listen to you? Or as a leader, Am I going to talk over you, get defensive, get prickly and avoid such conversations in the, in the future, right? It takes both courage on your part to speak up and share your mind. And it takes commitment on my part to respect that courage and be with you in that moment. Because if I don't respect that, next time you won't speak up. So our relationship broke down. Psychological safety is both a matter of speaking up whether you are the person who's uncomfortable or a bystander or witness who's watching or the perpetrator, right? I said something that made you feel hurt. It takes courage on my part as well to own up to it, to say, sorry, Nath. So it goes all three ways. Courage, commitment to stick through that awkward moment and the two of us together toughing it out and building a better conversation in the future trying to be better, get better habits. It's things that need to be thought through and, and discussed within within a team, correct? It's not something that is coming naturally, let's say. I guess depending on the person who's on the leader, um, there might be some, like, I don't want to say patterns, but, you know, ways of communicating this and ways of bringing you know, asking for feedback and being more open to, to feedback. I know that giving feedback, for example, is, is not something easy. Um, but then going to someone and say, OK, I didn't appreciate the way you behave during that meeting or it, it's it's another step. So I, I, I'm totally aligned with you that courage and, and commitments are key uh, essentials. We've been raised to be polite and we tend to be in shock when someone says or does something rude or inconsiderate and we almost feel obliged to play along and be nice. But the courage it takes to say, wait a minute, did you really just say that? That was presumptuous. That's not nice, KG. That takes courage. And me listening, 
paying heed and becoming aware, oh my God, that's a blind spot. I thought I was super friendly, but actually I'm coming across as quite presumptuous and arrogant. Mm -hmm. So you helped me uncover blind spots because you took that moment to call something out that most people would be too polite. That takes courage and we should applaud that. Whistleblowers, people who call out things might make us uncomfortable, but the best thing we can do as leaders is applaud and support and back up the whistleblowers because people who point out things, that, you know, the elephant in the room, that takes courage. And we can show that courage back by applauding them so that next time they do it even more because it yeah. improves every single one of us. And and I guess there's also the way to say things. You, you were mentioning being polite and being nice. You can always give feedback or share share something about a situation that you didn't like and still be, you know, nice and polite. You don't have to look angry or 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 sad or etc. But at, at the end, emotions are also good to be shown right into into the workplace. We don't want to to be robots. Right. But my point is that um, when you give or, or you share something um, with, with someone, you want to put the the right um, you know, the right format and not be too too aggressive neither, right? Absolutely. One of the most beautiful things to work on and improve ourselves in is the ability to disagree without being disagreeable. I can share with you a different opinion from yours without being so disagreeable that you find it unpleasant. We can be polite and firm at the same time. We can be collaborative and collegial and friendly and also be very clear at the same time. Both can coexist. It's a good thing to practice. I, li I like that. And at the end, you know, we are all humans. So we are we, we are all, you know, be, we are all on this on this planet and we have all. Yes, we have different opinions. We have different lives, but we can all work together towards a common goal, a common purpose. And that's make the power of, of, you know, the connection and the collaboration, right? Absolutely. Um, so Katie, we're already at the, at the end of our uh, recording. I have a last question for you. As you know, our podcast is called Message Received. So what message or key takeaway do you would like to share today um, with, uh, with our audience? Oh, Nath, I could speak with you for hours and hours, right? Um, uh, can I be a total lawyer on this and give you a multi-part takeaway message? Yes. Okay, so there are three things I'd love for all of you to think about. The first one is really that every single one of us is more than one person. I'm a Indian woman. I'm a mother, sister, friend, lawyer. I'm also sensitive. I can also be extremely social with friends. There's so many things about me that I bring to the table at any given moment. That's true of all of us. We're more than one thing. And what we truly want to do is be there, show up as fully as we can and respect the ability and the importance of other people doing that as well. So the first thing is respecting each other and really being comfortable with intersectionality. 
The second one then is uncertainty. Look at what's happening around us. We don't know what the future holds. Work is evolving too rapidly. And there's so much that we do not know as leaders. And so the first thing you can do as a leader is really just ask a lot of questions and do your best. And uncertainty doesn't mean you retreat to what you know. Uncertainty means getting comfortable with not knowing and asking questions and coming together as a team. If you want to do something quickly and well, do it alone. If you want to truly achieve something great, you do that together. And the third one is recognizing that we have so many stakeholders. Nath, you have your clients, you have your internal team, you have your colleagues, you have your subordinates, you have your supervisors, and you have your family, friends, right? And causes you to care about. All of us have so many stakeholders at any given time. The third one is getting comfortable with trying our best. Perfection is not the goal. The goal is to try and be a little better every single day. And you might drop a ball occasionally, make a mistake, but making a mistake and learning from it and getting better next time is the goal. Similarly, we're going to also be gracious when someone else makes a mistake. Avoid cancel culture and be kind to one another. That's message number three. I love that. Thanks a lot for all your wisdom. Um, KG, it was a pleasure to have this discussion with you today and uh, I hope we can collaborate again in the future. Thank you, Nat. It's such a pleasure spending time with you. Many thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, join us next week for Reaching the Emotional Brain of Your Audience with Ravi Rao and Natalie Eiffel. Thank you. Don't forget to follow Message Received.